Welcome to another episode of Living the Beam. I'm your host, Greg Wissinger, joined, as always, by my friends and colleagues. First, we've got Jill Edge. Jill, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. And TJ Macias. TJ, how are you doing today? I'm not drunk. Not yet. The night is young. We are recording this on Tuesday, or no, Thursday night, December 7th, uh, so Right now, the the Kings are preparing for their uh, kind of consolation. Is it consolation bracket in the IST against the Suns, or is it just considered normal games at this point? Okay, so it's your it's your like toilet bowl. <laughs> like, where do we get <laughs> yeah. if we if we even win third place? Like, what which tells you how much Phoenix thinks about it, right? They're sitting everybody <laughs> outside of Booker, and no one no one gives a fuck anymore. It's it's done. Yeah, but I don't think there's any press. That's for the country to show up and just get the win in the win column. Like, that's handle your business, get the win. Mm-hmm. We are yeah. here to discuss the the Sacramento Kings and the recent happenings. Uh, we, we did take a week off for Thanksgiving, so we've got plenty to talk about, plenty to catch up on. So we're going to jump right in. Uh, first question that I'm going to pose to both of you is just kind of checking in. We're, we're you know a little over 20% into the season or right about 20%. Have the Kings met your expectations so far for the season? Um, yes and no, I would say, in terms of... And I would only say no in the sense that we've had the injuries, and so I don't think we've been able to take advantage of, let's say, like what Minnesota has been able to do, where they didn't really bring in any big names, and so they're kind of doing what the Kings were hoping to do at the beginning of the year is rack up those wins while everyone else is trying to figure themselves out. Um, The Kings have done that to an extent with Fox healthy, but when he was out, we all know that kind of um, plummeted to an extent. And so do I wish they had given themselves a little bit more of a buffer? Yes. But I also think it shows this front office that, um, it's pretty similar to last year, right? What we're doing, but, um, and time will tell as time goes on, but at least right now it still looks of the same thing we were kind of thinking this off season that if you really truly want to move that needle forward, you're going to at some point have to make that, those upgrades that we've been talking about. And we know, and it's not like we're saying anything that Monty or this front office doesn't know. We know they went after Sayaka. We know they went after OG. Like, we know they were chasing names that they just didn't land. But, you know, the rest of the league hasn't been able to land them either. Like, there are plenty of other teams that are going after the same kind of guys. But at some point for, you know, in Monty's position, he has to be able to land them, right? And we know he thought he was going to get Thibel at the deadline. He thought he was going to get Vanderbilt at the deadline and he didn't get any of those guys so um his next step is landing who they truly want to land like that's kind of been his to me his weak spot out of anything was is he's kind of been good at evaluating the trout the trade pieces it's just a matter of actually landing them outside of the sabonis move and her i would say hurt her but that was an off season like it wasn't um it was still a good pickup nonetheless but um, landing the ones that necessarily like other people, you know, are coveting because so many of those names are the names that would take other teams, you know, steps forward too. So that's kind of where I'm at at that, that it, it's, it's yes, that they've been doing good. Like we kind of figured they were doing good, but 
know in the sense that we know they can also be better, if that makes sense. TJ, what do you think? Well, I think they're doing a lot better. Uh, like they've, they've surpassed my expectations a little bit, and that's only because I'm not projectile vomiting as much as I have in the past. Uh, Kings fans know that all too well. Um, but like it really it scares me when when a player obviously we're dealing with injuries at this point and it it scares me like when we put injured players back on the court too soon and I mean that in the long run I apologize to listeners because my dog Aria is uh being a <laughs> shithead sorry um like for example you know I, keegan suffered lower back pain um I, I believe it was during the last game and you know he he freaked people out twitter was on fire when you know he went to the locker room and then he came back and i was more concerned rather than happy Sorry. Uh, when that happened, because, you know, obviously we're thinking about the long run and, you know, not really the in-season tournament. It's not that important in our eyes. We're, we're looking at the long run in this season and stuff like that. It, it makes me pause and it scares me uh, just like as it would any other Kings fan. So that is one thing that's bugging me at this point otherwise they've they've kind of exceeded my expectations and i love wa- watching them but there's there's still a shit ton that that needs to be worked on so i think it's interesting because i was definitely hoping the kings would be looking better at you know but more stronger position in the standings better win loss record at this point you know, but at the same time, when I think back to what my predictions were going into the season, a lot of it was, I think the Kings overall would be better, but the record could end up about the same just because the West is so tough this year. Sure. Yep. And if we look at it, like, you know, right now they're 11 and 8 in their sixth seed in the West, and that's roughly where they were this time last year. You know, slightly different win-loss. You know, they were five seed instead of six in this week last year, but... I mean, they're they're pretty close to on track to where they were at that point. They haven't rattled off a big win streak like they did last year to really put themselves in a big position. You know, in one win streak, it's still early enough in the season that wildly shakes up the standings. On the flip side, so does one big losing streak. So, you know, I think that they are they're on track, especially when we do factor in all the injuries, all the the lack of continuity. I mean, Fox has missed time. Keegan's missed time. Uh, you know, key guys are missing minutes, and yeah, they've kind of. It looked like they had a backup center solidified in Alex Lennon. and he goes out. You know, so they're dealing with a lot of roster turmoil, which roster continuity was supposed to be their strength. So when you factor in that they haven't had that, and they're still doing okay, like they're. They're not blowing our socks off. We've gotten used to them being good and we want them to be better, but I feel like they're still doing pretty good and there's still time to figure it out. And I mean, even just looking at what we've seen so far, this team's clearly capable of doing more than what they've done to this point. Well, and even to your extent of saying you could have better numbers, but right, you won't necessarily see it in the in the box score. But um the Kings have played 
nine games total with their starting lineup, nine games. You look at the rest of these numbers of people that have played um, over a starting lineup or a lineup together that's been over 150 minutes. The Kings are third in the league um, in their offensive rating and sixth in their defensive rating. So it's nine games, but again, they're doing what we saw them do last year and their numbers are even better, right? Their their numbers this year are 121.3 and 107.7. In their 900 minutes together last year, they were 118.3 and 116.1. Like you're seeing a jump, what, three points in their offense, and they went from 116 to 107 in their defense. Yes, it's not nine games. It's 151 minutes, not 900 minutes. But you're at least seeing the numbers better. Um, But the problem was, was last year, they led the league and 900 total minutes played together. The next closest team was 739, and that was Atlanta. So this year, last year, right, they had such a huge leap compared to everybody, which people said, right, like worry about injury bug because you didn't necessarily get it last year. And this year you're seeing the Kings, you know, um, feeling that, that to an extent where, and... So it's it's kind of can they keep it up and will this hold out long enough while other people are kind of gelling and figuring themselves out? Because I know, Greg, you mentioned this before we even started, like it's you can see teams struggling every which way you watch. Like you can watch a game any given night and you have you can say, I think this team's going to win, but they could end up getting blown out. Like it's it's very much open this season, which is a lot of fun as a basketball fan. You know, everyone's kind of getting, you know, a shot at it. But, um, you know, it's it's something to watch. But number-wise, they actually are better than what you were seeing last year, which is good. Like, that's, you know, that's what you're hoping for. Um, I would say the only thing that we've seen this year that we didn't really see last year are the Kings getting down, like, these big double-digit leads which very rarely happened last season um and i don't know if it's just them getting too comfortable and but if you have these like weird five minute stretches where the game completely goes away for them and then they're having to work so hard to get back that you know you always worry do you have enough to put yourself over after fighting back 20 points we see it all the time right like we see double digit leads evaporate all the time i was watching a game last night um, where a team was down, I think they were down 15 and within five minutes, they were up seven or something like that. Like it's, it's so fast that things can switch, but I would say that's kind of out of anything. That's probably the most concerning thing to me is why is that happening compared to, um, just something we didn't really see necessarily last season with this group. Uh, I don't, I'm trying to recall in the past seasons, uh, like us, uh, being down double digits and then coming back to win it because oh it didn't it rarely happened like yeah I it would be it would be something that when we were watching like it would happen to us and I'm like oh fuck this game's done like just flush the toilet right now and I was getting that feeling uh with the Warriors game and I know everyone did all, all the fans were freaking out over Twitter or X whatever the fuck it's called now and 
like I was ready to shut it off. And my parents who were watching in Texas even shut it off. And my dad calls me the next day and he's like, what the hell happened? And trying to explain it to him. I was just like your adrenaline's going when you're watching something like that. And I'm, I just don't remember that happening with the Kings in the past. Yeah, that's that's completely that's completely true. Um, you do have a feeling with this group that they're never necessarily out of it or that they haven't given up. Um, it's just trying to limit those times, I guess you could say. Like, it's runs are going to happen for every team. It's, you know, match the runs with runs. It's just don't get yourself so far back that you're necessarily... Or do it earlier in the game and not <laughs> not in, like, the third where you finally come back and then it's like you've kind of worn yourself out. But, but like, we... 100%. We, we went on a run uh, during the last game. I mean, we started off completely hot. And then it just turned into this. It was dying. Like 35 to 17. Yeah. Threat. Like it was. It, I was at the game and I remember looking up and I was like, yeah, it's like 31 17. All right. And then I kept looking. And then by the time we did not get out of the 30s, it was 43, I believe, to 39. Like at one point. And I was like, are we ever going to get outside the 30s? Like, <laughs> what is they were at 17 and now 43 and we're still at 39. Like, what is going on? And I think it was like we missed, it was like 18 straight possessions or something that we like just, it was, it was wild. But I kept thinking too, like, Monk is such that spark plug off the bench offensively. But that's where the Pelicans had us, where they have a guy coming off the bench that can spark you defensively while the rest still do everything offensively. And and I was like, people are going to, you know, shit on me for saying this, but it's like, that's what the Kings hoped Davion would be, right? Like, that's what you hoped that that would bring. And it just has not. It hasn't. Yeah, I mean, right now off the bench, they've got Monk and, you know, Sasha sometimes and Lyle sometimes, but I mean, it's definitely been up and down. I mean, if, you know, you want the drama and you bring in Javel and watch him just do whatever the, <laughs> the fuck. Yes, 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 knows. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get, I get yeah. nervous every time he comes in and it's just, uh, I don't know what he's going to do next. So what, what the fuck situation? I will say we'll see what happens tomorrow, but it looked like Keon was still wearing the white jersey today at, at shoot around. So um, it still looks like they're going to be going that way, which you have to think that they're shopping Davion or they're going to be right. Like that's, you know, in that potential yeah. deal that they're trying to make. And it's, you know, unfortunately it is what it is at this point, but it sure seems like the writing's on the wall at, at this, at this point in time, which you know what? Like, I hope, if he's gonna, if we're gonna send him somewhere, I hope he gets a legitimate shot to to run a team because coming to the league, that wasn't something he got, which he always thought he was gonna get. You know, being that he never talked to the Kings during the whole process. Um, and so, you know, I, I hope for any young guard that they they get that chance. And he seems like a great dude and works hard. It just hasn't been the fit here that everybody ended up, you know, hoped would would end up happening. Yeah, I mean, I think he can be, I think there's still plenty of hope for him to have a good NBA career. 
100%. He's just not a good fit for what the Kings need, especially from their backup point guard. It's a tough spot for him to be in, but yeah. hopefully they can land him somewhere where he gets a, a shot and it's a better fit. Like plenty of teams could use a, a point yep. guard who needs the ball in hand and, and is going to be a little bit more ball dominant. There's definitely teams out there for that. And That's more it. often than not for players like to succeed in this league, you need to be in the right system and fit for you. Like unless you're absolutely a legitimate superstar, you know, top whatever number you want to give player. Like for the most part, Guys have to be in the right system and fit for him. So hopefully that ends up happening. Moving on to our next question. Uh, and in case anyone hasn't picked up on this yet, what we're doing on this show is just kind of running through the same questions that we did over at the King's Herald in the Royal Roundtable about a week ago, uh, since neither Jill nor TJ participated in that since it was a written exercise we figured it'd be fun to, to do it for the podcast uh, you so. know us we're we're only audio <laughs> well you know i i get shit for not having written something in about 25 years but i would get a bunch of crap because i'd use two big words or whatever blah you write everything for a living. You you. This is your time for for your voice. <laughs> exactly. I I could get on here and like, us <laughs> like a fucking sailor, and then just turn it off, and yes. and not get in trouble. TJ's the reason you can't listen to this podcast with your kids in the car. <laughs> well, that's what my sister says when I'm on microphone <laughs> in the car. That's where she. My nephew. My nephew had a good one after he was in the car with me on the last one, and just looking at the. Big guys, I was like, just ignore those parts. <laughs> you didn't hear anything. So our next question. Last time it was over there, my... Okay, go ahead. So our next question, and TJ, I'll throw this one to you first this time. So De'Aaron Fox has been on tear to start the season. Uh, right now, as of us recording this, he is currently sitting at 30.3 points per game, good for fifth in the NBA uh, 6.4 assists, 1.6 steals, 3. Point, uh, I'm sorry, 4.7 rebounds, uh, shooting, you know, 8.2 threes per game and making over 35% of them. Just absolute monster start to his season. What has stood out the most about his improvement for you this year? Oh, um, his free throws. Let's go there. That is what he yes he is having an amazing season to the start not like it it's completely exciting but what i keep focusing on when i'm watching these games is when they get up to the when he gets up to the free throw line and like lays the worst rotten egg i've ever seen and i'm wondering why and like our are they working? Is Brown working on that with him? Are they? Because I, I remember at one point, I believe it was a couple seasons ago or last season when Brown, whenever they'd all uh, practice doing it, going to the line, and if someone, like even one person, missed, they were doing laps or they were doing something. Um, it, it's a, it's not actually a small thing because we all, we all know it comes down to free throws sometimes, you know at the end of the game when it's it becomes like dangerously close so that it shouldn't be standing out to me but it is and I, it's I, being worked on it's being so worked what on they, what, what are they 
they are. Like, oh, 100%. But he's also averaging more than he's ever had in his career, where last year was his best free throw shooting season. He's been a, a consistent in the 70s. Um, but trust me, it's known and he's getting it at home, too. Yeah, and I was going to say, he, he shot 78% from the line last year. He's a career 73.6% free throw shooter. This year so far, he's at 72.8. So he's he's not that far off from what he's traditionally done. He was a little bit better last year. Um, he started off last year a lot stronger, and it kind of quietly fell off as the season went along. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. definitely when those misses happen, they're, they're noticeable it's, and painful. It's noticeable. And I will say that, it seems like he's still trying to find that. I don't even want to say, you know, even since you were little, like they always tell you have a routine, right? When you shoot free throws. And it seems like he's still trying to kind of figure out that routine. Like I'll be sometimes watching him where at times he looks like he rushes the first one, but is a little bit slower on the second. And to me, it's like getting, he still has to figure out that routine. And I don't know if it's just because. He's amped on everything that's going or his from just getting hit in the arm or the hand, like what? But that definitely is something he's got to figure out. And it's it's a known issue everywhere, right? Like that it's um, but it's definitely being worked on. I think even Rose said at one point um, after the game on there that like after practice, Luke had him stay and was like, no, like everyone else is going on the team bus. You're staying and we're. We're shooting threes and free throws. Like we're we're you know we're keep doing this. So I have confidence in how hard he's working that it'll get figured out. But yeah, I mean, being seventy two percent at eight eight attempts a game, like you want to get that up. Especially, he's averaging thirty points a game while shooting seventy seventy two percent from the free throw line on a nightly basis. There's been multiple games where it's like he's been at thirty thirty two, and it's like it could have been a forty point game. He would have multiple 40-point games had he made like these free throws this year. I mean, that's just... So, Jill, now that TJ has uh, taken a, a big dump on on Darren's great season and great start, what stood out to you? <laughs> no, like, I, I agree with her that that's, I mean, everything else is good. I know he was averaging the least amount of turnovers. Um, I think after the last game, it went up a little bit because um, I think he had like six or seven, right? Um, so he's now sitting at 2.3, but I think that was like just under two, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it was like at 1.9 at one point. So, um, that's something I think he still can get down, but I mean, jumping from 25 to 30, great. Um, and this is on an ankle. I think that's not even a hundred percent, right? That we won't. We would hope that by the end of the season, we might see a hundred percent ankle, but again, like I don't. I don't know because you're consistently using it, but it's damn impressive what he's doing, knowing that it's not because he said it's going to take him a couple of months to get there. So um, knowing that he's playing through that, he's averaging more minutes than he's ever had in his career, more field goal attempts. I mean, his three point percentage is up to thirty five point seven off of eight attempts per game. I mean, I. I'm not sure in his first couple years if he ever would have thought that he would be shooting eight attempts a game and shooting 35 at that. Like, we probably would have thought that'd be lower. So I still think he can get that number up. Um, averaging them, right? You said the most free throw attempts. Um, he's getting the most rebounds, the most assists. 
like turnovers are less, steals are up, blocks are right around his average. Um, foul, right, we're seeing increased defense, but his personal fouls are still right, right between that two and three mark. Um, his plus minus is the best in his career. Like it's, we're seeing minus three, we're seeing consistent jumps in each piece, which is exciting, which means he's still growing and you haven't seen, you know, the full capabilities of what he's capable of. Um, so for Kings fans, that's, that's, you know, that's nothing but love there and exciting that you're seeing, you know, a, a better deer and fox in all avenues while playing really good defense. Yeah, I was going to say... The, Which is what biggest, we thought coming into the league that he was going to be. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that stands out is how good the, the defensive effort and effectiveness has been, especially early in the season, because we saw him pick it up as it went along and especially in playoffs, but... You know, seeing him do that from the jump while still producing on offense, right? Because that was always the excuse, right? That they need him so much for offense. Can he also play defense? But he's stepping it up on both ends. Being a consistent three-point shooter where no one can leave him open. Yeah, you can't go under screens on Fox anymore. You know, just all of that together has really impressed me. Yeah, I mean, and he's he's always kind of been right the Kings one like that it was if you're going to stop Fox you want to stop you know you probably have a good chance of winning the Kings have more talent that you can't even you can't even stop Fox (laughs) so it's you're trying to limit almost everyone else around there but even then you see teams still throwing their number one guy at him you know right now he's the still the number one fourth quarter scorer um still the clutch guy that they know what he is, but they're still not able to necessarily stop it, which is exciting for us that it's he's still breaking through those things, you know, um, even though teams are scouting him like crazy, trying to figure out how to stop him. Next question. What is your opinions on how the new additions have fit in so far? So key guys we're looking at are Sasha Vesenkov, Chris Duarte, JaBale McGee, Colby Jones. Jill, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on the new pieces that the Kings brought in over the summer? I think everyone's had their, right, like their flashes, where it seems like each player has almost had their own impactful game that led to a win, right? We saw JaVale, was it last week, that he had that crazy game, and we were like, it what year is this that, that JaVale just goes in there is looking like Shaq? <laughs> like, JaVale versus DeAndre on? Jordan. <laughs> I mean, it, it was wild. Um, and Sasha, I think it was against the Warriors and he had he's had a couple other, um, might have been two Warriors games. Um, but I know he's had a couple where he's come in and just hit a couple threes and played good defense and made key rebounds when Duarte had to start. Um, when Keegan was out, uh, he had a you know a particular game where he did well, and then other games where he didn't necessarily do well. But I think again, <laughs> Jamil's had games where he's done well and has been really not like last game where it would just it was like, what are we doing here? <laughs> um, I just think they've all kind of had their games where they've led to wins, and then it's also like, oh gosh, like here we go, but. That's something, again, where anybody you add, you're going to have that kind of 
these are good and these are bad moments. Um, it's trying to limit, I guess, the bad moments. But I will say, I think with the injury stuff that some people have had to play more or outside of maybe their given role that is expected, you know, and that's going to happen throughout a season. But I feel like times when players are, you know, these guys are playing within their role that you can see, right, the pieces of what Monty and his group thought that they would fit in here. Um, I would say Sasha on the defensive side, night and day from what we saw in preseason to now, kudos to him and the staff that I do think it it helps when you've had this much time, right, in a setting now and you're just growing and getting used to these guys and what's being asked of you. His feet are quicker. Like, it just seems like he's figuring it out, right? I guess you would say, like, the NBA game, which you would expect, and I think there's still more there for him to figure out. Um, I'm excited for Lyles to still get more games under his belt. Like, I wouldn't say, right, he's obviously not a new piece, but they, again, brought him back. Um, but he was injured for so long. So you did have, again, those other guys stepping up into roles that they might not have played otherwise. So, but I do think, you know, Lyle's coming back. You saw again, indeed, why they did bring him back and what he brings to this team or what he can in the different lineups of going um, kind of the small ball center and different things. So, you know, I'm excited to see what other lineups they can kind of come up with this because, Again, as we said, like it's it's been few and far between where we've actually had everybody healthy. So I don't think you're getting the full um, maybe vision of what you would hope to see. But that's kind of how the NBA goes. Like it's rare when you're going to have an injury report, injury report that, you know, doesn't have somebody of uh, relevance on there, I guess you can say. So, um, but yeah, so it's. I'd say it's I can see why they did it, but it's kind of been a roller coaster depending on who you point out. DJ, what do you think? Uh, first of all, sorry, I had my microphone on earlier. So if you heard glass or ice against glass, that was my dog. Um, <laughs> so your dog has a problem. <laughs> I have tried to talk to her about it. And we've had interventions like three. Okay. Let it go. Anyway. I just love that she keeps bringing you the ball right now. For talking, and then yeah. just keeps it. You can't see it, but she keeps dropping the ball behind her. And just oh, no, I you're like in here. Yeah. <laughs> I hear it drop on the floor and she'll, she will bark when I don't reach for it. I can't reach it. And sometimes she'll go down and get it. But anyway, okay. I'm going to try to get through this. Um, I'm. Matt, I, I want to say I, I agree with I completely agree with Jill when it comes to the newbies, um, but it's mainly because of inconsistency. One like one night, Javel can be just like we had said before, going, you know, against Draymond uh, and the Golden State Warriors. See, there she goes. See, I'm mad that Hells keep playing really good against that and just laid an egg of 133 to 89. Like, yes. oh, what what the fuck it's you look at that and you're like wait a minute what what the fuck happened with us why did we implode that way and now they just you know we have allowed again playing lakers pelicans kings is the rock paper scissors of the nba but i mean i will say lebron lebron wanted that game he came out he wanted that game he's serious about that ownership in vegas like he wants the hood 
That's right. Okay. Anyway, it, uh, inconsistency, inconsistency. Wow. I'm not drunk. I swear to fuck. <laughs> um, that, that's what bugs me. Uh, like one night again, Javel will be, you know, playing his ass off, his old ass off. And the next night it, it's, it's a fucking dump on the court. And I was seeing that a lot with them and it it just, it makes me go meh. It, that like, yeah, I'm not going to be as technical as Jill is. Y'all math. All right. There is a, a, a tweet that I saw once I got into journalism, so I wouldn't have to math. Unfortunately, I got into sports where we have to math. So, um, yeah, it's 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 middle of the bar for me. And that is a bar I will stop at and drink when watching these games. <laughs> I think meh is fair. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the new guys have, I don't think, I think it's fair to say that none of them have like blown the doors off, right? I mean, I, I'm a little surprised that Vizankov hasn't done more, just given all the talk we heard about his shooting in practices and training camp and this and that, how he's just this elite shooter. And I mean, he's not doing bad. I mean, he's shooting 37% from three, which is very respectable and very good, but he's, you know, not really lighting the world on fire there. Yeah, I have to wonder if that's inconsistency though. Like his minute, yeah. like he does, he's not in any kind of consistent role. It's like it's when true. you go out there, just make the most of it. And I think he has, he's found other ways to contribute, which that was the big concern with him coming in is you know, we knew he could shoot and score. Could he be a secondary player? Could he, you know, be passable on defense? And I mean, early on, he at least looks passable on defense more than I really expected him to be. And that's a nice surprise. So I'm happy there. Uh, Chris Duarte, I think, has been a victim of being forced into a larger role than what he was expected to be, you know, just with injuries and everything. But He's also probably been my least favorite king to watch so far this season. Like for a guy who was supposed to be a solid defender, I don't think he is at all. Oh, oh we've he, all seen your tweets, dude. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I don't. Is this Greg or Tim talking here? Yeah, exactly. We <laughs> we know your feelings here, man. Hey, you know, Tim's a Tim's like a, a broken clock. He's right every now and then, you know. Uh, but no, I I don't like. What Duarte does, I feel like he plays out of control on both ends of the ball. That's why he racks up so many fouls. That's why he's, you know, inconsistent on offense. He's just, I see that's a fair assessment. He plays like his head's on control. Fire, like. yeah. <laughs> and so that may just be kind of finding his groove after being out of the game so long. I mean, he missed a lot of time with injuries. Like I don't remember him being that way with Indiana. No, I don't think he and, was. And it's also in the contract year. Like, I don't know if it's just him trying to prove himself too much that it's like, Instead of letting the game kind of come to him, it it's almost forcing on it. But yeah, but there's been times where you can see the shot, like all of a sudden, you know, he'll make a couple threes in a row, and it's like, okay, where did this, you know? And then yeah, exactly, he'll boot a ball out of bounds. Now, I always want to caveat that right now he's one of my least favorite players to watch, but I would love for him to figure it out. Like I was excited about that trade; I thought it was a good, low cost, you know, venture to to bring him in. But we're also kind of seeing like maybe there's a reason he only costs a second round pick. <laughs> like, you know, he he's on a prove it deal, and like you said, he's on a contract here. So if well, you it doesn't work out. The Kings Naismith over him. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. that's the reality of that. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of what we see, especially with the bench guys, the new guys is, you know, that that same pattern of being put in a little bit bigger role than what they should have been because the other guys aren't there. You know, JaVale McGee, you know, he got kind of an early shot, but it seemed like Len was going to be that backup center. Well, Len gets hurt. And so now you have to go McGee when you need size. You know, if you're in a situation where you can't go small, McGee's really the only other option they have, which, yeah, he has his ups and downs. He has his bright spots, but there's times it's felt like they had to go small because they had no other options because McGee was basically unplayable. And this is where you can kind of understand where Mavericks fans were so excited to see him leave was that, you know, on their roster, he was slotted to play a bigger role than what he's ready to do at this point in his career. Like, yeah, you could see, you could see the pathway there when Len was healthy and they were just putting JaVale in the spot, you know, the spots like minutes in between that. Like it was working when you had Sabonis there, Len backing up and JaVale just in those certain spots where he was able to dominate in those, in those particular minutes. So hopefully we get back to that. To your point, yes. Yeah. What were you saying there, TJ? Oh, no, I was saying that, like, Mavericks fans threw a parade that was, like, similar to, you know, when they won the championship in 11 uh, after McGee left. It was it was uh, interesting to witness. Well, look at Lively now, but you could see it between the Mav players and JaVale himself when they played each other. <laughs> Seems like there's no love lost there. <laughs> Moving on, we we briefly touched on it a minute ago, but I want to talk a little bit about the in-season tournament, just in general. How have you felt about the in-season tournament as a whole? Obviously, the, the Kings now are, you know, they don't have a chance to win anymore. They they missed out on, on that venture by losing to the Pelicans yet again, but... That aside, just in general, the overall execution of the in-season tournament, how have you felt about it? TJ, let's start with you. Yeah. um, It's stupid. (laughs) Like, point blank. I understand why, uh, you know, they have done it for, I think they, they started last year with the WNBA doing the same thing, right, Jill? It's been a couple of years now, but they have the Commissioner's Cup. Yeah, which now all the WNBA writers are saying they need to step it up because of what the NBA's done now that, you know, they kind of took it over and now they have to up their game of it. Exactly. Yeah, no, the Aces won the first year and Liberty won the second year. Yeah, that I was like, that was a big discussion the other night. But I understand why the WNBA does it. This was the first year that the NBA has attempted it and you know there's a lot of hype surrounding it and it's it's been good it's been fun to watch so far but what the fuck is the point so i understand when the wnba players do it they they their salaries are clearly not as much as you know nba players so it's understandable that they do something like this in the winning team and I understand that, you know, when they win, they get they get more money in their pockets. That that makes sense to me. When the NBA does it, the men's league. Like, I, I what is the what is the end game here? What is the prize, Joe? 
I was so I'm going the complete opposite way where I love it. <laughs> I've I've been able to go to like three of the games and it's entertaining. Had, had my nephew and it's awesome. But I will say I've seen players who like of teams that I've gone and seen before where I feel like they actually give a shit where before they have not. And like, whether that's the money or anything else, you're you're not rest. You're not seeing guys rest as much during these games. Like it's but you know what? But for a team like the Pacers. They have the lowest payroll in the NBA right now. True. Like we can save for some of these other guys, like, you know, the LeBrons and maybe the Lakers of the world that who they're going to be playing. It doesn't necessarily mean as much to them, but for a team that's been written off, right? That is being laughed at as one national game, like this this just gave the Pacers a hell of a selling point yeah. for <laughs> everybody else. Like, I mean, it put Tyrese, you know, we knew, we all know what he is, but it's put him on the map for people that might not necessarily watch the NBA as much. Um, I don't know how much you believe, but people in Vegas said that there were kids outside saying, holy crap, did you see that Tyrese guy? Like that, you know, they don't, Vegas doesn't have a team. They want to have a team. And Tyrese is on one national game. Those kids probably had never seen him you know, outside of his first, uh, if those kids happened to go to summer league, like they'd have no idea he existed unless they're watching box scores. Um, And then like, I do like that it showcased, I get what you're saying. Like the money in the grand scheme, we have, we have the Lakers right now that just blew out the Pelicans. The the Lakers are, you know, a major franchise that, well, which is which is good for the NBA that I mean, well, yeah, you get Vegas, Ve- Lakers or Vegas's team. I mean, that's, you know, they're the closest when you go to summer league too. it's it's packed with Lakers fans. But I think, I think it's LeBron giving a shit. I mean, maybe that helps. I don't know. Every guy on the roster makes extra money. But I think Jackson Hayes, Cam Reddish, they're making what? Two million, three million in the grand scheme. Yes. Like it's still a couple million, but adding 500 grand to that, you know, there are. Other teams, you know, that it's smaller, that it that it can make a difference. Again, I get your point that it's like, woo, the Kings got 50 grand for making it to the, you know, quarterfinals or whatever. But, I mean, they seem to care about it. And it was oh, the first huge. one that was going to be there. But I do think that there's room for them to grow on, right? Like, this was year one. So I do think that there's ways that maybe they can even up the ante a little bit with the approval from players and things like that as this goes. But... I watch soccer and I watch other things, you know, in the NBA, WNBA, like they do these things. Like this is a common, normal thing that they do. So I do like that the NBA is trying to find ways to add, you know, I, mean, I will, I will mean something. It's, it's, it's way more entertaining than when like they do the NFL all-star game for absolutely no reason where I'm pretty fucking positive. Those players are playing drunk on the Pro Bowl. Yeah, yes, they're just happy to be. They're happy to. They're happy to be in Hawaii. Yes, yeah, exactly. And they, but, they don't even do it in Hawaii anymore. But it also it also runs the risk of injuries. That that is also a really big concern when all these players are trying to. But these you know, are on the national stage anyway. like this. These are games they would be playing anyways. Games just count for two things rather than one. Like, I will say that. So, th- like, at your schedule-wise, these are teams that would have been on your schedule, would have been the same dates. Like, they just happen to count for one extra thing than now. 
They don't. They don't. And really, like the Pacers it. and the Lakers are only the only team that are playing one more game than anybody else. Okay. So to, to clear that up, so like what the WNBA does is they'll like the Aces. They would tweet out their schedule, and what they do is if they win, they would also donate to charity and things like that. So they'd put up a schedule, and they would you know highlight a, highlight a date for a win. But again, it was a game that they were already scheduled to play. It just counted for. I don't even want to say a win twice, but your win went towards your regular season win total, but it also counted towards this special. You're mathing again, Jill. You're mathing again. <laughs> Lost me, like. Um, and so you know, like the more the more squares you had colors on in the calendar, like the better for you, right? Like of your wins at the end of the day. Um, but again, so they ended up playing the Liberty right in the championship yeah. game yeah. of the Commissioner's Cup. And it was one extra game that those two teams played each other, and that was it, which ended up being great for the sport. Like, it was aces liberty. Yeah, I mean, that's what you want to You're saying that. And so, so this is the same in that sense, in that there's just a little bit of money attached to this, and two teams get to play one more. Um, I mean, it's entertaining as fuck. It, like, it, it, I was like hanging upside down most of the game watching this. And, and that's the point. We're caring about November and December games. They're more entertaining. You know, the whole thing about the NBA doesn't start until Christmas. This was meant to counteract that. And the big question was, would the players buy in? And they did. Regardless of how we think they should or or how much the financial incentive is, or if they're just overly competitive assholes who want to put their name on a trophy, like... We might have yeah. just underrated how competitive all these guys are, right? Like the athletes to be competitive. Yeah, like, like the NBA yeah. understood that better than we did, and got them to care, got them to play their ass off, and created something that in year one had casual NBA fans paying attention. And- so that, that that's that's a win. Whether whether this has something to do with it or the new rules and how many games players have to play, but this is the most games that. um Paul George and Kawhi have played together since they like paired together. I mean, and I'm sure again, like that number total to be eligible for certain things probably, you know, probably helps. But even a Joel Embiid has had less rest days than than he normally would. So, I mean, I I don't know. I'm sure it's a accumulation of all these things, but I do think that you're getting more product than you necessarily would have in previous years past. Well, as you know, idiot Greg just said that it's attracting more non-NBA or hardcore NBA fans. Like as a hardcore NBA fan, you know, we're watching it, everything all the time before December, you know, in November, right of season, preseason, bit. Um, so I, I get that it's to draw in, you know, not the diehards and which is entertaining. I just, like, for me, just I want to get back to the regular season. And I think that's where you just kind of have to view it, that it's still the regular season. True. Like, it's just they have a different court. Like, that's the Kings are also- still going to have 82 games if we count <laughs> all those other games, all the in-season drives. It's, it's still we, 82 games. If we end games. up beating Phoenix, we yeah. end up getting, you know, third. I'm fucking biased. We were just knocked the fuck out by a bunch of birds. 
like TJ lost, so she's taking her ball and going. If we won, you probably would have been like, This is the and we beat the Lakers. Oh, yeah, no, it would be amazing. It would be amazing. 100%. I'm looking out of the moon. I would be like (laughs) yelling at Adam Silver's feet. But yeah, maybe I'm biased, you know, as a Kings fan, as we all are here, uh, that we just fucking shit the bed. Okay, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, there we go. The the one other thing I would say on it that they desperately need to change is don't do the full color courts. Do the strip down the middle as a color and then wood. And it's great. It's still a unique court. You can still do special designs. All that's fine. Do the color of your team, too. So it'd be like yeah. a regular court with a purple stripe, like a regular yeah. court with the yellow stripe, a regular court with mm-hmm. orange, whatever your color is. Like, yeah. I, I agree. I, I have my my uh, sister sent me a message. Her and her niece were watching this and she had asked me point blank. She's like, did a colorblind person paint this court? And I'm like, it, it looks like the fucking warriors court. When we were looking yeah. at everyone has been saying that all those colors, I wouldn't have guessed if I had just tuned in. I'm like, oh, they're in fucking Oakland. But but imagine like our court was going to be red with the blue stripe and it was even worse. So, I mean, like I'll take what we had. But what's funny is it it almost reminds me of, you know, how football does the sliming games and like all that stuff. And the younger kids like love it because it's just like a barrage of colors. Like my nephew loved like they, you know, the little kids loved all the colors. Maybe that's what they were going for. What I don't know. It- but Is it like baby Mozart, are they trying but, to get little children in by just? But apparently, yeah, apparently they, they gave the teams the like them all one young. or two options, and it was like, which one are you going for? And they tried to get the Kings to do the red floor with the blue yeah, line, they, and they, they said doing, no. They were doing the Kansas City colors, and I get that. Not right. yeah, no, no, no. But the Kings actually said no. Like we're not doing a red floor and a blue line. We're doing gray and blue because we're not doing the red. <laughs> like. It was too much. So right. I appreciate Drunk them saying making that. this is a, well, it just it, it, other teams did not say no, apparently. Oh, well, no, I, I've seen that. That that is Dear the God. Kings have firsthand experience and know how much backlash there is to a, a bright red splotch in the middle of the viewing experience. Like their biggest downfall was not seeing who on their schedule was going to be. Because really, they were fine until they played the Clippers, because then it just looked like. The Clippers, the like they had, they had the same colors. Um, so to me, the Warriors were a TikTok thing, thing too. Like my sister was sending me all these TikToks on it. <laughs> like maybe that's what they were going for. They didn't care if you liked it or not. It was getting them content. Uh, you know, they wanted to start a conversation. Well, they started a conversation and set it on fire along with that court when they took it off after you don't care about the jersey so why would we expect they care about the courts <laughs> dear god okay fine point all right next question and i think we've kind of touched on some of this already so this one might be a little bit quicker what do the kings need to work on most going forward through the rest of the season jill let's start with you handling physicality still I know that was something that was said last year, but to me, we're still seeing it. Like we've lost against the same teams, right? Like, and it's teams that have length and are physical. So again, like this is the personnel you have. 
you gotta figure that out because it's if you get to the playoffs, it's going to keep being that way. So you got to be able to to handle it. So to me, the biggest thing is figuring out that physicality still defending without fouling. I did see a stat today where it said um, the Kings were actually percentage wise were number one in the league in forcing like bad shots, but they were towards the last like towards the end of the league. Um in efficiency to where teams are actually making those shots. So it's we're forcing them into bad shots, but they're making them. And whether that be we have horrifically bad luck, could be, or we're not tall enough because we can get them to where we want to go, but our reach is not affecting them. So I know Brown mentioned this at at practice day that he feels like guys are closing out um, too early. And so or too close to where you might foul more or you don't necessarily have the correct, you know, um, hand positioning of where you want to be maybe in um, uh, not blocking their shot, but, you know, obstructing, you know, the player necessarily. And so I do think that shows that, again, like they're doing what Brown's asking it's just not that follow through. So again, to whether Monty needs to make his upgrades. But again, like this is who you have. So these guys have to figure it out. But th- so to me, like there are trends where they're doing the things you want. It's just figuring out how to finish it, I guess you could say, or like completely execute it um, and start hitting your threes more. Like if you're going to shoot all these threes, You've severely dropped in your percentage. Um, you're going to have to start making them or you're going to have to do what you did last year and adjust and kind of hit from everywhere. Like there were games where we're going to kill you from the mid-range. Like doesn't matter if you're stopping us from three, we're going to kill you in the mid-range. And I don't feel like we're getting that kind of disparity as we were before. So, um, and maybe that's just something they're working on early in the season. But to me, like those are kind of small things, tweaks that I like to see them um, adjust. Yeah, to that point, it feels like there's a lot of games where they wait way too late in the game to start attacking the rim, and then they get to the rim at ease, and you're like, what the hell? Where was this for three quarters? You said to do this like <laughs> 10 minutes ago? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. TJ, what do you think? What do they need to work on the most going forward? Oh, dear God. Joe was so right with when it came to the threes. It was watching them just complete, just, just shoot shot after shot and missing every single time it like makes you want to go out and like kick a rabid raccoon in the nards it is brutal to watch Greg take your head out of your hands not at all um that's that's the TJ phrase of the episode right there (laughs) okay I didn't bring in rattlesnakes God calm down um that of course uh, and, and their fucking free throws again we've already touched base on this before and yep that's true yep. yeah I, i'm not i'm not going to dive deep into this because i'm not jill but those fucking two yeah i mean i think throughout the the course of the things we've discussed we've already hit a lot on a lot of the big things that the kings need to improve on you know a lot of it's really consistency i think one of the big things that we haven't really talked about yet that's really drove me crazy so far this season though is just the the waning focus 
at moments where the lazy passes, it feels like there's like six points a game we give up on lazy passes that lead to a layup. Like knowing the personnel you're playing, where it's like you can't do that against the Pelicans, they lead the league. Yes, 100%. And not just the Alvarado steal, which he does once a game at least, right? That, you know, it's just the lazy up court passes. I mean, Fox has done it. Monk has done it. Barnes has done it. I mean, it, it's all they the guys. It's, it, it, they just throw a haphazard pass, three quarters up the court, and it gets picked off, and no one's back for their defense. I mean, it's just. But it's, it's always easy got the points worst you can't opportune give up. time. Yes. yes. You can't give up those easy points. So. Just that consistency. All right, so I'm going to ask one other question that wasn't on that original article. It's just a a bonus question uh, because the the Philippe Petrusev era was short lived. It, it's over now. He has moved on from the Kings. I just want to ask, what was your favorite moment of his tenure in Sacramento? Probably him sitting on the bench and having no emotion whatsoever when something happened. You can see the whole bench go up and he's just sitting there. Or in those after the after when photos where they're all up. In the oh, you stole mine. You stole mine. <laughs> and just, I love how Sasha, I love though hearing that Sasha was like, that he sold him to like go to Olympiacos and like go thrive out there. <laughs> I was just like, get rid of this guy. I love all three of those things that he was emotionless for everything. And Sasha was like, yeah, go to my old team and kill it. Jesus. See ya. Deuces. Oh, here. Mine was turning the TV off or over to like watch Game of Thrones. That was my favorite. Jill stole mine. Mine was going to be him (laughs) in the after photos and having no idea what's going on. Just staring at the camera, confused. I'm trying to remember if there was even a smile. Like he was just no, kind of standing no. there, like. But and I loved like whoever he was next to was always like super like I know, yeah, like dramatic too, which made him stand out even more. I think one time too, he even like ducks. So you saw like an eye and like part of a head, where it was like, I'm just gonna sit in this one now. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. King's legend, Philippe Petrosev, we wish you well. The uh, best thing, the other good thing, too, was like two weeks like before he even left, it was um, he's in serious talks with the Olympiacos. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, he was still under contract and there was all. Yeah. Like, and then Sasha really, we found out Sasha really sold the deal for him. <laughs> so, but I will say that uh, us not keeping... Uh, Jalen has led to three uh, Memphis wins, so we helped them out there, <laughs> um, which hopefully doesn't come to bite us, you know, during our hunt for the playoffs. If if our hunt for the playoffs is hindered by the current... No, I mean like three wins, like if Memphis those wins Grizzlies. ends up being something. I'm just saying the current... They're not that far out right now. They're, only what, they're three five and a half. Back? They're five and a half back of the Kings right now. I'm just saying. If, okay. I'm if not talking about the Kings. I'm talking about like the playoffs, the play in in general. Like I understand where we are now, but like um, then if we're fighting in this like range and three wins that if, being something, if we're fighting and those games matter uh, for us versus the Grizzlies, uh, something else has gone terribly wrong. The West is good. 
The West. I think everyone's I, gonna everyone's gonna matter in the long run. And I understand Memphis gets Jaw back in five games, but I still don't think that's a good team even once he's back. I don't know. If you keep Bane playing like he is, I don't know. Yeah, Bane. And you get Smart back eventually. Bane like doesn't tend to. Play I've seen crazier things. Jaw. I've seen crazier things. So that's he what we'll find out. Yeah. Bane does better without Jaw. Yeah, y'all can't see this, but this is really entertaining to watch them just like fucking go at each other's <laughs> You think this is going at each other? No. Well, well, Jill, I've never seen well you attack somebody like personally. Oh no, I'm no, just I'm saying like I'm not even saying like with Memphis. I just think like at the end, like a three game swing, like we've seen how one game can matter at the like how we were fighting against how many teams last year. Where there were like what five teams right within like three or four games of each other. If Memphis somehow figures it out, like I don't, you never know. I, we've seen crazier things, right? Like True. we've seen crazier things. So. I think one of my goals on this podcast is that I want to piss you off enough to see you like go on a fucking <laughs> uh, rant. And I know that Greg will be involved in some way. <laughs> I usually keep that and like we'll yell it into no another Greg. <laughs> I'm innocent. I, I never antagonize. Just another alabaster cock tart. <laughs> I just know with the king's luck, like something like that, we would end up being like, why? <laughs> oh, on that note, this has been another episode of Living the Beam. Uh, any closing thoughts from either of you? Or any anything else to that can top? Uh, Jalen Noel feuds and uh, Alabaster Cocktail. Well, I actually wish we had him as a backup. <laughs> I mean, we could have probably used him during certain stretches. I'm not going to lie. There was nothing I ever saw uh, but, of him at any Oh, I liked him. Man. I liked him when he was with Minnesota. So that's. Yeah. The- I was excited when they actually brought him into camp thinking that he'd be like the legitimate like backup or third. But yeah. I mean. I guess he could have been playing maybe over Duarte. So, all right, I, I'm I'm on your side now, Joe. Well, we ended up putting Keon. I w- it would have been him over Keon, in my opinion, that you would have put over Davion. Like eventually, I don't think you would have had to force Keon in there. Which kudos to him that he ended up, you know, playing well and is still backing up to this day. But yeah, my final thought is, I think I could like drink Javel under the table. If it was ever a shot contest. You could probably beat a lot of players. <laughs> New goal for this podcast is get big enough that we can arrange that. So, <laughs> Oh, there's so many Fox, definitely. Keegan, definitely. Yeah, because Fox. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of them that aren't drinkers. <laughs> okay. I want the ones that are drinkers. Like, I, I want the professionals to see if I can actually handle it. I'm trying to think who won the Kings that would. I, I, sus- I suspect that the Euros could. I would say Domas and like Sasha. Yeah. 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 TJ, like, yeah. Sasha. Porzing, have me. Domas. I'll yell that. Yeah. Oh, no, I'll still try it. It'll still be fun. Len. Len. Oh, Len would be a good one. Yeah. That's our goal for this year. Get big enough to get Len on here and we'll do it. There we go. Drinking contest. (laughs) (laughs) Can't do it.
<laughs> all right. Well, until next time, this has been Living the Beam. You can check out all of our work at kingsherald.com. You can also find us on the site that we're still going to refer to as Twitter. Jill, where can the people find you there? At Jill Adge. And TJ, do you want to take a, a crack at spelling your handle this week or, or will you skip oh, over God. it? Or? No, you can find me on Twitter. Just, you know, look it up. Do your research. Then <laughs> <laughs> I'm at you is and then, of course, at the King's Herald. And then uh, King's Herald is a you know, reader supported venture. We are completely independent. So you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Kings Herald. Uh, with that, you do also get bonus episodes of our, our sister podcast, the Kings Herald show, which are at Reynolds where they do exclusive Q and a episodes. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for this week. We'll be back in about two weeks, give or take, just depending on, when we pull our shit together and record another one. (laughs) Thanks for listening.